Angela Yee, and I'm telling you right now that the Alive Podcast Network app is the best directory of podcasts created for us by us. From relationships to making money moves, there's a show that'll captivate every listener. And for my fellow Black creatives, this is a call to action to take your brand and monetization to the next level. It's for the culture. Join the movement and sign up today. Sign up today to get a six-month subscription for $20. Visit AlivePodcastNetwork.com. Coming soon to iOS and Android. Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This episode of The Swirl Suite is sponsored by In Good Taste, a global winery in the comfort of your home. With all of us being home full time, I can only speak for me. I've been eating and drinking a lot more. Through their single glass bottles, In Good Taste helps me experience new wines and new memories in one 187 milliliter serving. That's one glass of wine, y'all. In Good Taste offers packages of eight or 25 mini bottles of wine from across the world. Check out ingoodtaste.com and use coupon code VINEMEUP for a 10% discount. Let us know how you like it. Let's get to the show. Oh, before I forget, this episode with Tawani Price is also live on YouTube. It is unedited. And uh, if you want to see our faces, just head over to YouTube and watch. Cheers. Come to Africa, baby. Come to Africa. Yo, don't kill me. All it's going to take is one or two more wrong votes out of that damn Senate. And I'll be like, give me a cot. Oh, gosh, I know. I'm like, do you think they'll give me asylum or something? I shouldn't even say that out loud, but yes. What? How about that? <laughs> I'm telling you. Oh, my goodness. Yay, I'm excited. Oh it is so good to see you guys. It's oh good to see you. It's good to see you. Way too long. There's so much life has happened, and oh, my gosh. Oh, we are looking forward to hearing every bit of it. Tawani, how did your event go this weekend? It was great. It was really good. I was so nervous because it was my first time doing it online. And so um, it turned out really well. Like it turned out well. Friday was well. Chef Mimi did a really great job with our cooking demonstration. And Rick helped pick some wines out. And then Saturday was great with Keto Wines with Tara Gomez. I mean, it was just awesome to have like the whole Native American flavor in the whole event. Oh, nice. Yeah. And then Sunday was spectacular because we had... 12 different wine brands there that were all like black women, Latino, and they were all engaging. They were all like, they all showed up except for one, one didn't show up, but that was okay. Um, but all of them were engaging and people loved it. Like people were like, Oh my, they didn't want to leave the call. Now let me tell you, oh, it was like, that's a good sign. Yeah, it was a good sign, but I was tired. I was tired. I was like, okay, y'all gotta go. go." (laughs) How long how long did it last? Almost three hours. Wow. Yeah, Mm. almost three hours. And literally, like I literally had to end the call because they still wanted to talk to the winemakers. The winemakers still wanted to talk. I mean, Theo was there, Phil was there. Oh nice. Um, People who can talk wine like for hours, like yeah. they can have a marathon literally. Right. So, oh, I mean, my goodness. not complaining at all. Oh, here comes the diva. <laughs> <laughs> she don't show her face this time of night. Hey, Tanisha. Hey, Tanisha. I show my face. <laughs> I literally 
rolled out of bed and I was like, okay, where's the red lipstick? Because I need help. And I was like, I'm too tired to put eyeliner on. I might poke my eye out. What time is it there, Tawani? It's midnight. Oh, wow. Oh, man. Which is better because, like, I teach classes. I'm supposed to teach a class tonight. Um, but I think I'm going to just send an email out to the people and be like, yo, let's just resume next week. Because um, they were like, are you sure you don't want to take a day off after your event? I was like, no, I'll be fine. I'll be mm. fine. And I'm exhausted. <laughs> um, yeah, so I teach like a deductive tasting class online that we meet every Tuesday. I mm. do it in South Africa and then I do it in America. So it's at 6 p.m. both time zones. So uh, that's mm. My time for the American folks. Wow. wow. Man. So we just going to jump right in. Hey, y'all, welcome to Squirrel Suite. Y'all know our voices. We got a special guest. Exactly. <laughs> Tawani, introduce yourself to everybody. Okay, first, hi, Tanisha. Hi, how are you? Um, hi, hi. So, <laughs> so my name is Twani Price. I'm owner of Zuri Wine Tasting. Zuri Wine Tasting is, is a lifestyle wine company. So we help people create these really fabulous lifestyles um, all the way from Los Angeles to Cape Town, South Africa. And yeah, and now we're doing it virtually online. So are you going to tell us how this even happened? Because you're from California and you used to live there. How did you get to Africa? So I still live in Southern California. So usually I spend six months in six months in South Africa and six months in LA. And because of COVID, I've been, I hate to say stuck here, but I've been sheltered in place here. And I mean, I'm not complaining about it. Right. Cape Town. I live in Cape Town, South Africa, and it's absolutely beautiful. Um, but how I ended up here was I was like looking at pictures in Facebook the other day, you know how they go through the memories. And I think I've been, like, obsessed with South African wines even before I moved here, first of all. And because um, they make amazing wines here. Mm-hmm. And I always mm-hmm. wanted to live in Africa. I always wanted to live out of the country. And so I was traveling a lot. And I had been to Spain three times. And I was like, okay, I'm going to move to Spain. I'm moving to Barcelona. And you went to South I speak a little Spanish, muy poquito espanol, so I was like, I am going to Spain. But I said, before I move to Spain, let me take my butt, my black butt, my black ass, yes. sorry, I curse, <laughs> but let me take my black ass to Africa. And so um, I came to I came to South Africa because um, of apartheid, because I, you know, had this thing for South Africa because I used to protest apartheid in high school. That's how old I am. Um, and then when I said, okay, so South Africa, then I started doing research about South Africa and I found out about Stellenbosch wine country. And so I was like, okay, it's definitely going to be South Africa. It's definitely going to be Cape Town as opposed to Johannesburg. And so when I arrived in Cape Town, I stepped off the plane and I just felt this warmth come over me. That's it. Welcome home. And that's how I felt. So I spent two weeks in Stellenbosch, wine tasting, enjoying wine country, and then one week in the city. And then I was like, man, I didn't get to really see the city, so I got to come back. So I came back that next year, very next year, and then I spent two weeks in the city and one week in Stellenbosch, and then that's when I was like, okay, forget Barcelona, I'm moving to Cape Town. Like, this is, this is it. This is going to be like my second home. Um, no, and actually, I didn't even think of it as my second home. I thought of it as my first home. Um, so I came out one more time 
No, I came out the next year, right? And so then the next year I was like, okay, well, I want to live there. So I like prepared my LA home, but not 100% because I was not 100% certain. And so I said, okay, well, let me do three months at a time. So let me go there for three months, check it out. So I came for three months, actually stayed for four and a half months. Absolutely loved it. But it was harder to actually live here full time as far as the money situation was concerned. I was still able to make a lot more money in LA. So then that's when I said, okay, I'm just going to do back and forth so I can go to LA for the summertime, make some money, come and live in Cape Town for six months. So that's how I ended up here. Sorry for such a long story. Oh, it's not. Well, you will appreciate this. So tonight I was cooking dinner and you know how you just put on something in the background. So I picked school days. Uh-huh. And I don't know if you guys remember that opening scene where they are on the yard and they're protesting apartheid mm -hmm. because they want to divest. And I thought, oh, well, this is so appropriate that we're going to talk to her later today. So, yes, I remember protesting protest in college for apartheid. Exactly, right? <laughs> and so now I get to live in post-apartheid with all the born free babies. <laughs> So if you had um, to give someone um, some advice if, in our viewers or viewers and listeners who wanted to become an expat part-time or um, full-time, what would be like the top three things you could think of that they would need to, to do to prepare before going? I, I would the number one advice is I would say do it, go. Like if you can live and make it in America, honestly, you can live and make it anywhere in the world um, because America is so expensive and the hustle is so real, especially like in the big cities, like in LA, New York, Chicago, DC. Um, so that would be the number one. So like do it, go, you can make it. And then the second thing would be like, make sure you have a passion that you can generate income from, right? Because um, not unless you're like financially wealthy, which I'm definitely not, you know, you're going to need to make money for yourself and getting a visa to work in that country is not going to be easy. So you have to be able to make American dollars wherever you are. Mm -hmm. um, and then the third piece of advice is just be open to different cultures. Like, you know, it's not, I mean, it's not always easy and then like you might want to come in and insert your like American culture and your American right, right. Mm -hmm. and so you know you just have to be open to other cultures and understanding and that's what I'm learning like right now it's just yeah. like how to stop inserting my American um, ideas <laughs> and culture into like their culture and conversations so what was your biggest challenge when you moved Gosh, you know what? I, I feel like the only challenge is just like, and it's a daily challenge. It's just like making money to survive. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Making enough money to yeah. like, you know, to survive. I like to drink nicely and eat nicely. So <laughs> I like to live nicely. Like even like right now, my apartment is fabulous. And I'm like, okay, Tony, it doesn't really make sense for you to live this fabulous. You might have to downsize because, you know, there isn't, there's a pandemic, you know? <laughs> So, <laughs> so are you renting or is it like an airbnb or what it's definitely not an airbnb and so when i came for that first three months 
that was one thing that I learned too. I did Airbnb because that was all that I knew, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but try to find, I would recommend that they try to find like a local apartment um, service like a website. So like out here, I use this thing called Property 24 now. And I actually find apartments where I could get like a six month or a 12 month lease. Okay. And that's a lot cheaper. And then like furnished apartments, there's uh, there's so many furnished apartments. It's crazy. And they're like nicely furnished apartments. Um, my apartment right now is furnished. I mean, it came with everything. Coffee pot, forks, knives, furniture. Um, wow. My glasses. And, wow. Know, I have, that, I have to buy extra because you know, I like to entertain. But it, it's just basically all I had to do was bring my suitcase linens. It came with linens, everything. Wow. Yeah. wow. <laughs> so was there a point with the whole pandemic going on that you had to make a decision point? Do I stay or do I go to the United States? Or they were just, you know, it wasn't you need to get out the country because you're an American and we don't know how to act anymore. i think well well the time when the borders were still open they didn't realize that americans were going to be so misbehaved right so Mm -hmm. it wasn't like that at first um it was just the point where you know for me too i think i was in denial for a long time when the pandemic happened i was like we all were (laughs) yeah i had like a big tour coming up like one of my biggest tours of the whole year where people are coming from all over america to cape town with me for seven days so that i can show them around i like 12 people booked right wow and um and it was gonna be great it was seven days and everything was paid for because you know what i was trying to make sure everything was taken care of so when guests got Mm -hmm. here no headache and it was supposed to be march the 24th through the 27th something like that well that's the weekend but march the 22nd through the 27th whatever the dates were and then the pandemic happened and slowly like okay my best friend was coming too and she was like you know i don't think i'm gonna be able to come there's a pandemic and i was like a pandemic i was like it's just the flu (laughs) (laughs) and so then she was like no they canceled my flight and another person said they canceled my flight and you know, it just started unraveling right before my eyes. And then they were like, okay, well, there's some flights going back to the States. You should probably go back because you don't know what's going to happen. And I was like, well, you know, I have this lease on this apartment. What am I going to go back for? Everything's going to be closed, you know? So mm-hmm. um, you're probably safer there anyway. Yeah. So I decided at that point to stay of course, I didn't realize that it was going to take, it was going to be this long. And so some days it really hits me that, you know what, if I wanted to go home, I can't go home. There's repatriatic Mm -hmm. flights, but those flights are super expensive. Like those flights are my whole apartment rent for like the whole rest of the year. Yeah. So I'm like, no, I, I could stay here. I'm not trying to spend a fortune on a flight. Wow. Ouch. And then, too, when am I going to go home? Like, people are going crazy in America. Nobody wants to wear their mask. And, like, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, man. Especially in California now. Like, the numbers were going down, but now they're going up in California. And they're talking about closing certain parts of the state. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how did your side of the world, how did Africa handle the pandemic? How did y'all shut down? And what was that like? I think that... um, 
I really commend the president, President um, ah, Cyril Ramaphosa. So, Girl, we I, can edit that out if you can't get the yeah, name right. Cyril, Cyril, <laughs> President Cyril, that's his first name, but Ramaphosa, that's his last name. So anyway, I think that he did a really great job of, um, like, they just shut everything down. And when I say shut down, like, this is where I live. I live in the middle of the of the city. It's kind of like if you lived in, um, like, across the street from the Staples Center in downtown L.A. or yeah. on um, 42nd Street in Manhattan. I right. live, like, right in the center where there's great restaurants and there's a vibe, right? And that's why I picked this place. Um, but it was like a ghost town. Like, they weren't even home, there were not even homeless people on the streets. Like, they cleaned up all the homeless people, took them mm -hmm. all to shelters. There was nobody on the streets. So there was a very strict curfew. Um, I think the curfew was like 6 o'clock or something like that. And then none of the restaurants were open, not even for takeaway, not even mm -hmm. for delivery. Um, mm -hmm. Everything. The only things that were open were the hospitals and then the banks. And so... It's like a ghost town. They shut everything down, and that happened for, they shut everything down for four weeks. Then they opened it up a little bit, um, but even, and then they banned alcohol. Yeah. So they banned alcohol. Luckily, at that time, I had enough wine um, to last me through the first four weeks. I think I was down to, like, one bottle, and then a friend had bought me, like, two bottles over because they felt sorry for me. But, like, literally, I was down to, like, two bottles of wine that I received from a friend by the time we ended the ban, the first time. And then um, now they have a ban again the second time because the first time was good, and our numbers were looking so good. And then they opened up the world slowly, and then people started to kind of get crazy, mm -hmm. and the numbers went up. And so now they ban alcohol again, just because there's a lot of like um, alcohol related like incidents and people end up in the hospital. And so they felt like it was um, overwhelming the hospital with all the alcohol related incidents. So that's why they banned alcohol. And it, I mean, after the ban and then they had a curfew. So the hospital saw like 25% drop in like, the flow or like the people coming in and the doors. So it helps with COVID. Mm. COVID or just because I'm wondering about these alcohol related incidents, like just drunk people, people falling or people get drunk and hitting other people, assaults, that kind of thing. Because for it to be a ban on alcohol, that's like pretty, pretty serious. Yeah, well, all of the above, but mostly the domestic violence. So South Africa has a very big problem with abuse against women um like mm. very problem like very big problem people getting drunk and then they want to fight their spouse or you know yeah. and yeah domestic domestic violence is a is a really big deal here and so until they fix that um alcohol is like the culprit but let me ask you this so how do they specifically core i guess I might have answered my own question in my head, so I'll go ahead and ask it anyway. How do they correlate that with um, COVID? And exactly, the yeah. Then I answered in my head if they're locked down and they don't have any alcohol and they're going through withdrawal because if they Ain't are, nobody get beat. It's a it's a keep it's your a hands to yourself. Yeah. So like, and nobody's so okay. So then too with the alcohol. So like people drink. 
people go out, they drive drunk, people go out, they get into a bar fight. Um, those type of incidents happen and then, you know, people get drunk and then they fight their, their spouse. And then all those people are ending up in the hospital. It's a hospital bed. There's no room for both. Got you. Okay. Yeah. So that's what they're saying. They're saying like, if we're treating all these people for COVID, we can't treat the people who were coming in because, you know, they had a fight or they fell because they were drunk or whatever. Got you. Got you. It's a combination of the curfew and then the alcohol ban that I feel like, and you know, and, and trust me, I'm, I'm for the alcohol ban, but I'm not for the alcohol ban. Like, it was right. all of a sudden this this last time too. This last time, you know, we were enjoying it. I had stocked up on a few bottles. Some friends from America felt bad for me, so they had like ordered me wine here in South Africa, and so I had got like you know a couple bottles of wine. Thank you guys from in America. Um, so I had wine and I'm enjoying life. And then like you know my business, I had to shift my business model and my business thinking. Mm-hmm. So. There some things that I had did differently because now we had alcohol available and I was coming up with different business ideas and then all of a sudden on Sunday July 12th the president speaks and they're like okay the president's gonna speak I had no and they had changed it so that you couldn't buy liquor even before this second event you can buy liquor Friday to Sunday so you had to get all your liquor by Thursday and so my first yeah, my birthday was on July 10th. I went and got like, you know, I stocked up on some like heart liquor and stuff like that. And then we had a few friends over and that was gone. So on Sunday, I was like, I had wine, but I had no other liquor here. And then he said, effective immediately, there's a ban on all alcohol sales. So you can even plan. I'm a terrible planner anyway. So this whole situation would be a whole entire problem for me. But effective immediately like what was your first thought like what was going through your mind when you heard that like effective immediately i was thinking i was thinking well shit i had these people over here on friday and they literally would have been Frank on your stuff. <laughs> like, like i literally would have been that person who, who you come to their house and they like no. they ration your liquor like no <laughs> Let's meditate, you know. Like, I would have called all them back and be like, "What y'all got at the house?" Everybody owed me like a cup or something, and everybody would have been like, "I don't have anything" because it was all of a sudden, you know, like mm-hmm. shit. Wow. Yeah. Oh my. So that's why the moral of this story is always have alcohol at your place. So I mean, I have anxiety have right now just listening to this story. Well, so, no, I, I feel you. That's why I went out this. For the last four days, I've been stocking up beer, <laughs> dips, shrimp, sparkling wine, any any Lysol disinfectant products I could find. And I don't even have no damn where to put it. My house is dead. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. I said, forget the toilet paper. I'm not stocking up on toilet paper. I'm stocking up, like, you know, next time something happens in the world, well, the bottle stores are open and, you know, there's a natural disaster. I am going to the bottle store. I'm going to South Africa to get the toilet paper. I'll use the labels for toilet paper if I run out. I don't care. <laughs> I did do a raid on Costco. Toilet paper and um, paper towels. I only live by myself. I got enough of that, I think. I think I'm good. Yeah, people should still have paper towels when the first time they bought 7,500 rolls. Like, <laughs> exactly. 
people living alone and they got like seven and eight of them big things of toilet paper. I'm like, people what do you America think is about to happen? Toilet paper. None. You guys should be, you guys should be good. That was ridiculous. Now, that was the one thing that I did not think was going to run out. I just could not believe I was like, well, what the hell are they doing with all that toilet paper? <laughs> and then, and the other piece was, did you just start clean use and cleaning your house and stuff? What, <laughs> what were you doing before this? What was going on? They I, just started. They wasn't doing nothing before. They was using water and a paper towel. <laughs> like you didn't have a couple, you didn't have a couple bottles of bleach at your house just to begin with. Like really, Girl, you know that's just black people. <laughs> Everywhere, you right, you right. Because she said bleach. Girl, that's just black people. Don't nobody else. <laughs> I'm, that is so right because when I couldn't find anything, I had big, I have big, I have a jug like this size in every bathroom. I went and put it in a spray bottle with some water, was like spraying my railings down. I'm like, yeah, you gotta keep that kind of stuff. Alcohol too, regular rubbing alcohol. Right, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Oh, I still can't mm-hmm. find that. The dollar store, go to the um, dollar store. Target this morning, 8 a.m. Okay. No, this morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh man. I'm sorry. So Tawani, um, so I have a question. Like, how? So you had to shift your business once the the band started, the the last band. So it's another band. So how did you shift again? Like, did you go back to touring and then shift again? No. So I never. So I've never went back to touring, right? Okay. The wine, like before the second band slowly but surely the wine farms were just starting to open right and then then i didn't go back to touring too because there's not that many tourists here right so there's not that many Mm -hmm. americans um are you know that's my target market there's not that many americans here that are like touring you know the americans that are here are like living um so no, that wasn't it. What I was doing was I went onto this virtual platform. So after the first um, pandemic shut down and, you know, I went and I started teaching online classes. So I came up with all these online classes and I, that's what I do right now, right? To create income. And then um, after the second bit, after the first band was lifted, I also volunteer for this group called Black. And so I started this tasting group so we could practice for our WSET level three and just so we could practice our deductive tasting. Um, but now with the liquor ban, it's kind of hard because like mm-hmm. I'm opening up a bottle of wine on Tuesdays and I'm like, shit, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to ration my liquor. Um, yeah. So that was one thing. And then also before it, I was going to start doing my private in-home tastings to support the wine farms out here. So I was like working with partnering with wine farms to have an add on on their website. So when they go to the website, they can pick my in-home wine tasting class and I could teach a class. So that's what I was working on and training people out here to teach those classes. So, but then there's a ban on alcohol. Nobody has it in their house like that. So how, how has it affected the wine farms? Are can they still, I know they can't sell, obviously, but are they still um, producing and then just stocking up for later? So when this first happened, um, a lot of them were just finishing harvest. Like literally okay. they were just finishing harvest. Some wine farms, a few of them, when we first, first started, 
um, they had some grapes that they had to bring in and process. Um, so they were able to finish that. They had got like special permission to have like only a certain amount of people in their cellars and to finish mm -hmm. that process. Um, a lot of them, thank goodness, had already stopped harvest and they were in the process of like putting stuff in barrels and doing things like that. Mm -hmm. So it, it was kind of difficult to try to, from what I've heard, it was difficult to try to manage that process and make sure they get everything, all the wine finished, you know, because they have brought right. it in. Right. They were waiting for it to, um, to, to create the alcohol or, you know, mm -hmm. permit. permit. <laughs> and so, um, that was a challenge, but they, they managed to do that. Right. And then the first van, the government had just drew a, like a very broad, um, you know, broad, broad stroke and said, you can't even export wine. So they weren't able right. to transport wine or export wine. Um, and so with the second ban, they did not ban exports. So the good thing is they're able to export wines. And so like, if you see South African wines in the supermarket in your wine shop, please buy South African wines, help their South African wine economy because they need it. Yay, Grand Beck, MCC. <laughs> so, I mean, if you see them, though, try to buy them as much as you can because that's one way that you can support the South African wine industry, which employs so many people. Like, so that's why I said that the, the ban is bittersweet for me because, you know, I'm happy that there's not that many domestic violence cases and the hospitals aren't clogged up. But then I'm also sad because there's so many people like myself who are, you know, that are hurting, you know what I mean? Like, at least I still have my American market and I can make money like that. Mm -hmm. But there's some people who depend 100% on their income from working on a wine farm, working in the tasting room, working in a restaurant that serves liquor right. and they don't have jobs. So that part of it is really sad. Wow. So are the, so... I don't know the how South Africa is right now. Are restaurants allowed to have like outdoor seating now? Just can't serve alcohol, or are they closed down altogether? So with this new, so with this new level, because it's been five levels, right? So five okay. was the most restrictive. Then we moved right. to four, and now I think we're in three. So now supposedly we're in three, and um. And three, they had opened up the restaurants. The restaurants at one point were open to serve liquor. So then when we moved to three, all the restaurants were, okay, oh, okay, let's get back in the groove of things. Let's bring our staff back. Let's open up our doors. Let's get prepared, right? Um, so as they were doing that, because it takes a lot after you've been closed for six weeks, right? right? So as they were doing that, some restaurants were opening up slowly but surely, and then they have the alcohol ban and they have the curfew. So now that just sets them back, right? Because, you know, oh. a lot of restaurants make their money based on the alcohol sales. They don't necessarily right. mm -hmm. make their money based on the food. Um, and so that kind of, you know, if you have a restaurant, it kind of sets you back. There's like, my street is full of restaurants and there's some restaurants that are closed. Like there's this one restaurant and they're like, you know what, we're closed. We, we, we're closing on July 25th. We can't. We can't operate. We can't function with the curfew and the ban on alcohol. So they do, to answer your question, they do allow um, indoor seating if it's spread out. And then they do have patio seating at the restaurants. 
um, but you just can't get your alcohol, um, supposedly, but, you know, supposedly, you yeah. just always ask for the specialty tea. I went out to lunch the other day, I'm not going to even say where I went to lunch, no, but no, no. you can get some specialty tea. Gotcha. Yes. Which I'm all for it. Like, you know, there has to be a way, like. Exactly. Oh, it's like prohibition all over again. Exactly. Right. Leslie. Right. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. there's people that are selling like I got a text message on WhatsApp with the wine menu of like all these wines that they get I could choose from. And some of them were like really nice wine brands. And I was like, okay, um, I'll take this. Like, yeah. Um, I don't even need any extra wine. I have enough wine, but I was like, dang, that's some good stuff on that menu. <laughs> um people are selling it like on the black market like oh i can imagine you can you can get liquor still so people are still selling it nice. and cigarettes they ban cigarettes so cigarettes they have not lifted what i forgot about that i don't they need to ban no fun over there they just Man. lifted the fun they lifted all the fun so burning each other how about the hell how is wow. this they felt like since COVID is like a respiratory, oh. you know. Oh. That makes perfect sense. No, it doesn't. Don't agree. Yes, it does. First of all, they need to ban that shit here. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, you it know, it's pretty much. It is pretty much. But we need to burn the city down first. There you go. Yeah, we is illegal. <laughs> oh. I mean, I mean, weed is still legal, but oh, weed has only been legal all the time for home consumption and growing so you can only grow um weed in your house and you can only consume it in your house oh hmm. yeah you were saying go light up a field and make everybody high <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that's the only thing about lockdown in south africa is just like it has been very strict but then too i feel like it's uh, people have been taking it a lot more seriously, you know, and the, and the people that are getting sick, unfortunately, are the people like, I think most of the people in like the townships and like, um, cause they live close together and they don't have proper like housing, proper like sanitation and exactly you know, like that, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, so. Hmm. Wow. So is it in, is the spread in pockets of the country? Like, are there some areas that are more susceptible? Yeah, so like where we live, where I live in the Western Cape, um, that's like in the southern part of South Africa, and that's like wine country for the most part. But Western Cape had the highest numbers, and now they're saying that Durban has the highest numbers, which is kind of like a beach. Um, well, Durban is like, it's kind of like Miami, what Miami is too. Um, doesn't Durban have a lot of shanty towns too? There's shanty towns in all the major cities, in, oh. like informal settlement and in, informal settlements. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's a it's a um, what is it called? A result like a like a, a result of apartheid. Okay, yes. right. They all have they all have their townships. I think I saw more of them when I was in. I guess we were driving through Durban versus. Cape Town, because when we got to Cape Town, we just we stayed at the Table Bay, and we didn't go nowhere. We just were on foot. So, uh, so no, you didn't get to see you didn't get to see Cape Town, Cape Town. You <laughs> got to leave Cape Town, and you will see. You will yeah, see. driving through there, I um I didn't remember as much. Mm-mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, you will see them like, and that's the thing that they, that's the thing about Cape Town is, um, you know, South Africa is a beautiful country and the people are beautiful, right? But there's two sides of South Africa. And I was watching mm -hmm. this documentary today and they were saying that you have the European side and you have the African side, right? Yep. Cape Town is very much like a European yep. city. You're like, it's like America when you're in Cape yep. Town. Even right now, I'm so disconnected from what's really happening, you know? Um, there's people, and it's serious, there's people that are dying. There's people that are dying from starvation. Uh -huh. There's people that are dying from COVID. And I don't get to see any of that. Like, even now where I live in the city, it's still like, it's like I'm living literally like in a bubble. And it's not until I have friends that come over who might live in some of the cities that are outside and they might have a cousin or aunt who's a nurse and they're saying this is what's going on. Or they might live in a township and they might say, you know what, people are starving. Like, people literally don't have food. Um, because they're not working, right? And mm -hmm. have no income, mm. so they can't buy food. Are um, there government programs for that to help out? There's government programs. There's private programs where people are passing out food and things like that. But there's so many people that you know what I mean, like, and they don't have government programs like we have. You know what I mean, like, I don't. I don't even know if they have food stamps or food assistance programs like that, you know? Mm. Um, and it, it's just the poverty level, the gap between the people who have and the people who have not is very, very much, like mm. even before COVID, the have nots didn't have a lot. Like the minimum wage is like 20 rand, um, 20 rand an hour. And just to give you oh, an idea of what 20 rand an hour is, a loaf of bread is about 30 rand. Right. Maybe, wow. Yeah, about 30 what? rand. Between, yeah. A loaf of bread is between 15 and 30 rand. That's yeah. how much a loaf of bread is, right? So you just think about that. Like, you know, if you make 20 rand an hour, you're basically making, like, you work all day and then, you know, you make enough maybe for, like, an inexpensive meal um, for your family, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm. And wow. then you have to pay for transportation to get back and forth to work. So, like, mm -hmm. really, you're not really making enough to feed your family. And then that's not even covering rent. That's right. barely enough mm -hmm. to buy, like, some beans and some pop. Mm -hmm. Wow. God. Woo. So wow. that's, that's the sad part. But I don't want to bring you down. And, I mean, not everybody lives oh, in poverty like that in South Africa. But the it's poverty. The reality. Yeah. The is definitely a reality. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Are you guys required to wear a mask? Yes. Okay. Yes. You can't go into a restaurant. You can't go into a store. You'll get a ticket on the street if you're walking down the street and you don't have your mask on. Wow, that's good. Is there is there a resistance to wearing a mask there? Uh, you know, I don't know. Like, I haven't really, you know. People that I know, nobody complains about wearing their mask. I mean, yeah, it's you know, only us because we're stupid. You know? I was gonna say, no, it's like just us around here. Yeah, looking because yeah. they can't get in. I mean, just stupid stuff. Mm. Yeah, I I'm was stupid. on a call today, and they were saying like, you know what? People are complaining about wearing a mask, but they don't. You know, they tell you to wear shoes when you go into a store. We don't complain about that. You don't talk about why well, I have personal right. freedom. I should be able to walk around. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, it's 
Yeah, it's, you know, it's the point where, okay, you have that personal freedom if you don't want to wear a mask, but when it starts to endanger someone else's life, that's where your personal freedom stops. And, and people don't seem to get that. Your personal freedoms have to stop at some point when they affect other people. Mm-hmm. Like, and, you know, that's, that's a part of the responsible person of being in a democracy. You know what I mean? Like, I, w- I saw this TikTok video of this um, soldier who just got back and he was going off. He said, I fight for your freedom. He said, okay, Kevin, if you, if they tell you at 7-Eleven, you got to wear a uniform, you wear it. Wear the damn mask. I was like, <laughs> wear the damn mask. He said, look, look at the mask I got to wear. And he showed him in full suit with his gear. Then yes. he showed him with this other one, started talking about how hard it is to breathe in the heat with them. But I do it because I have to. Oh, uh, it was such, it was funny, but it was so very <clears throat> sweet. And I would love to see that. Yeah, because here he is fighting for our freedom. Mm-hmm. And, if I could yeah. find it, I'll, I'll forward it to you uh, via messenger. It is yeah. hilarious. Oh, he's going off. Mm. So, Tony, what about your business in California? Have, been, have you been using any alternatives there with your staff? Yeah, so um, basically my staff is me, myself, and I in California. <laughs> a lovely lovely assistant and she was amazing but she left and she went to law school and then after that trying to find somebody to work with you to extract these ideas in my head and it's very very difficult um so right now it's just me myself and I and then I partner with some people who um who can host like wine tastings for me should somebody want to have something in person so that's how it's been working. I just have a couple people that I partner with and I say, hey, listen, can you do this during wine tasting? Tasting, And then they do it. But most of my events and tastings, I have moved online. Mm-hmm. So um, basically, even my wine over LA this weekend is usually in person this weekend, but it was all online. And um, yeah. Wow. And then it's been about the online classes. Are you looking to have someone work in California? So if there was somebody who was an aspiring wine instructor and they're looking to partner with someone, would you be open to that? 100%. 100%. Actually, that's what I've been trying to focus on too, is I've been writing this um, 20 wine tasting boot camp just so that I can train people like how to, you know, do my classes in the 20 way. Um, I actually teach a class how to host an in-home wine tasting and they get the certificate of completion. So I was telling people, like, if you do that and, you know, you start having these classes and you want to do it, like, professionally, just, you know, hit me up and I can help you out with some work. But honestly, there's not that much in-person work these days, you know, because of COVID. Nobody's really getting together having these, you know, wine tastings. And then there's so much, like now I'm starting to charge a sanitation, not a sanitation, what's my, my COVID surcharge fee, because, you know, there's extra costs. Um, before I used to bring wine glasses for all the guests that I would clean and sanitize at my house. Um, 
But now with COVID, it's like if I bring a pack of wine glasses to your house that's clean and sanitized, you could just keep them. Like, I don't need to take them home with me, you know, no, just keep them. Put that in the cost. And so, yeah, so I have to add that to the cost. Or I'm like, okay, now can you provide your own wine glasses? Um, But then, too, like even the snacks, the wine bites, I would put them all on one tray and then you just pass that around. Don't do that. You have to have like individual, you know, snack packs for everybody. Right. Um, so the cost of doing business with COVID, not that I'm complaining because it's necessary, but there's a there's a, an additional cost. Right. The um, the vineyards in Maryland, they are using plastic containers. And so they're serving their flights in plastic containers and then giving you a glass where you can pour your own wine into the glass. But they're not doing... Um, well, let me not say everybody, but many of them are not providing glasses for that same reason because they don't want their staff to handle them and they're not pouring directly in the glasses because of cross-contamination. Right. Yeah, wow. that makes sense though. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, so it's like you, you forget about the little things that you have to do to be like, COVID compliant, things that we used to do that we would take for granted, you know, and I mean, you have this one one wine bottle, and you're taking it from table to table, and you're pouring it, but everybody's breathing on that one wine bottle, right, so like, things like that, you just forget about, Um, and I feel like that's the one thing that COVID has really just taught me, not to take things for granted, Mm -hmm. not to take anything for granted, you know what I mean, like, if you want to call it make up with that person, that spouse, that friend, that family member, shit, you better call and do it because you just don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Preach. You better preach on that one. I know too many people who have gone away from back home because of COVID. Yeah. And young people too. Like, hmm. I know. I think before it was like older people, sickly people were mm-hmm. getting COVID and they were dying. And now you're seeing younger and younger and younger people get this this COVID. And, you know, wow. And succumb, succumb to it. It's just unbelievable. So that's interesting. Um, so, I have a question. Um, oh, go ahead, Glenn. No, I was just saying, so um, the moral to your story and any other entrepreneur would be be able to do a business model shift in times of distress or in times of need. Be able to pivot, be able to pivot. I mean, like, you know, I think that somebody was telling me the thing about Black people is that we're used to struggling, right? So like this whole pandemic thing is really not that big of a deal. And I kind of feel like that, right? Because it's not like I was born into this industry with uncles, cousins, brothers, sisters, who could help me, who could advise me, who could, you know, give me seat money. So I've always had to be like, okay, how can I survive? What can I do? So COVID, um, the isolation part and the, um, the uncertainty made it a little bit more difficult to pivot. Like when I first, when COVID first started, and even now when I see people like, working out at the gym, posing, like, super happy. Like, I'm like, damn, like, you know, like. What gym do you go 
way. <laughs> they know that I don't know. Like, you know, like I'm telling you, for me, it's been a struggle to maintain a certain level of happiness. And I guess because before COVID, I was that person getting up every morning like, yay, life is so great. <laughs> um, and so after COVID, it was hard for me to get up and have that same mentality. Like, I don't know if you guys could see this, but like, <laughs> That right there, I probably need to take it down and change it. But that was like my emergency, like um, live vision board, where I was like, "Okay, Twani, you gotta get it together." Like, you know, there's no time for you to be like sad and depressed and just being like, you know, I don't know what to do. Life is, you know, terrible. You know, I had like a couple days like that, and then I was like, "No, what's the plan for coming out of it?" So I kind of just wrote this plan of like what needed to happen right now, what needed to happen in the next few weeks, and then what I had control over, like what could I do? So that's what I did, and then every day I was like looking at that board, marking things off the list, and that's when I was like, "Okay, online classes, just go!" Like literally, like maybe two weeks after COVID like lockdown started. That's when I published my online classes. And luckily, I had already had that in the back of my head because it was something I wanted to do. So I already had the notes and I had the outline. So then I just went, Canva has been my friend. Mm -hmm. I went to Canva. Canva's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Canva is awesome. (laughs) Went to Canva, did this whole PowerPoint presentation on Canva with all images and all the text messages. And like, voila, published my classes on some different platforms and on my website. And I was able to... I was able to pivot and I was able to breathe and able to say, okay, you know, and that's pretty much what I've been trying to like the message that I've been trying to give like black South Africans, right? Because I feel like black South Africans are in this constant state of oppression and depression where they've been oppressed for so long that they don't, they don't know how to pivot, you know what I mean? And so, like, I'm always preaching to them. And I try to preach, but not too much because I don't want to just impose my American culture. But I had this Facebook argument with this girl the other day. And then my message to her, because she was talking about how Black South Africans don't have jobs and, you know, man, white man, they don't hire Black South Africans, right? And I was like, well, maybe you guys, maybe Black South Africans should start looking at having their own businesses, Right. And so she was just like, not everybody wants to have their own business. You know, some people just want to work. And I was like, you know what? In this day and age, you have to know how to fish. Whether you want to know how to fish Mm -hmm. or not, you have to know how to fish. Because once you know how to fish, you can always feed yourself. Right. We can eat now. Exactly. Exactly. I, I hate fishing. I hate being. I hate being an entrepreneur. Like it's not fun. It's not like on the top of my list. Like oh yeah, I like to work in corporate America, where every single two weeks I would have money in my bank account on time every time, and I knew exactly how much it was. Like I love that, but you know what? I had to learn how to fish, and I'm I'm happy because now it's like you know. I'll never really, really starve. Like, I might have to live differently, but, like, I'll never really starve. Right. Well, I like that you said that, you know, you were down. Because I think, I think because Black people are survivors, we talk ourselves out of it being okay to be down. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we don't absorb the situation and say, okay, 
this is a bad situation and I'm going to just sit in it for a second. I'll figure out something to do. And so there is that stigma there. So I, you know, I like the fact that you said, yeah, I was down. Like, you know, what I'm going to do now? And then you worked yourself out of it, but it was acceptable to embrace those feelings that you had at that time. Yes, yes. And I think that that's important too, because sometimes when you do feel down, you might feel like you're the only person or you might feel guilty Mm -hmm. about that, you know, but it's okay. It's okay to say, you know what, this is where I am right now. Like I'm just going to embrace it and work through it. Yeah. Yeah. And And don't let it become a spiral, a downward Mm -hmm. spiral. I, I think we all like, I, th- I think I was like that for the first two weeks of this because I was just mm-hmm. like, I ain't getting out of bed. I ain't washing. I ain't doing nothing. I'm just going to lay my ass right here. What would do? Uh, and like you said, because you used to, you had that routine of whatever it was, up, out, dun, 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 your routine, and then your routine just came to a grinding halt. And it was like, hmm, what am I going to do? So, yeah. Yeah. I think we all go through that. I have a question for Tawani and Leslie um, and Tanisha. Like, how do y'all keep things fresh with being 100% online right now? Like, how do you get new ideas and keep things exciting for people? You know what? I don't, I don't know. Like, I feel like I just, you know, I just bring whatever energy that I have in person, I bring that same energy to online. And there's sometimes because I'm teaching at such weird times in the, like, 3 a.m., midnight right now sometimes I don't even think I'll be able to pull that energy out but I'm able to so I think I just pull my personality that I have in person and I just pull that into online and it just works like I'm able to connect with people and keep them engaged Mm -hmm. Um, yeah I think I, I have to be honest with you in the beginning when somebody asked me to do an online wine class, I was like, nobody gonna pay for an online wine class. They just, you know, they doing Zoom calls now, sitting around drinking. And what I learned was the knowledge that I have, not everybody has. And so people are still thirsty for that information and they still want some type of structure mm-hmm. with it. The other thing that I found was I was so focused on, okay, so how am I going to make money? Like, what, what am I, like, what is the next thing I'm going to do? And I realized once I stepped back, I was like, let me just focus on something else. Let me clean my house. Let me do, you know, do something else. Then different ideas started coming to mind. And so now it's just like, okay, I'll just keep a pad and write that down and be like, oh, maybe that was a good idea. Maybe it wasn't a good idea. But when I stopped, just being so pressed about like, how am I going to keep this going? Then things started coming to me that way. Yeah. Oh, so I guess this is our last serious question. Like, is there anything else that we can do to support South Africa? Buy yeah. the wine, buy your classes. What else can we do? Um, I mean, I think those are the two, two things that you could do. Post about South African wine, talk about South African wine, and buy South African wine. Um, those are the things that you can do to help the industry in South Africa, to help my, my homies that yeah. you know, are out of work. Um, and then, you know, support me by signing up for a wine tasting class. And yeah. Can you tell people how to find you? Yes, you can find me. 
Go ahead. I got a question. Oh, you can find me on Zurywine.com. You can find me on Google. If you just Google um, Twani Price, if you Google Zuri Wine Tasting, if you Google Wine Tasting Los Angeles, I think I'm number three. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I might have been knocked down because there's been so much Black Lives Matter wine thing, which is great, which is great. <laughs> yeah, I used, to be, I used to be on the top of the list all by myself. So now, I mean, I feel like there's so... There's such a great movement around Black Wine Lives Matter, um, and I'm super excited about that. And I'm super excited that so many people in the industry are getting exposure. But yeah, if you just type in Twani Price on Google, you'll be directed to all my many pages and classes and all kind of stuff. Um, or Zuri Wine Tasting. So that leads right into the kind of my question. Um, are can you tell us and the listeners? about any black wine makers or black um, wineries, um, South African wineries that we can, that export to the U.S. that we can find over here? Right. Mm -hmm. So there's some that are still working on their exporting, right? So like, for example, I know for a fact that Carmen Stevens, um, she makes wines. She, I think she makes some wines too for like naked wines. But Carmen Stevens is a black winemaker and she exports to the United States. So just type in Carmen Stevens wines, or I think it might be under neck, she might have a label under Naked Wines as well. Seven Sisters, Seven Sisters, they export to the United States. Um, who else is a black owned wine? There's a couple of them. There's a list of them on my website. Um, but there's a couple of them. And then there's a person, um, the Wine Noir, which is owned by Alicia Marie Kidd. Mm-hmm. And she imports some South African wines. So the wines that she imports are not necessarily all black owned, but she's black and she's an importer. So you can support her. Mm-hmm. Um, and we actually poured one of her wines, the Silkbush Viognier at Wine Over LA was included in our, in our diversity 12 pack. And I've been hearing really great things about that one. So nice. Yeah, go to the wine bar and you get some South African wines from her. Okay. Excellent. We met her in New Orleans. Yeah, we did. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. She's pretty awesome. She makes wine and she's and she sells, right? Doesn't oh, she, she, doesn't, she doesn't make any wine. She just imports wine. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I don't know. Who am I thinking of? Shop in um okay about jenny dawn yeah but there was another sister from california who was the other sister from wine the other sister from california harrell paul harrell was in california California. yeah but she doesn't export she doesn't import okay has her wine brand out of um sonoma sonoma Mm-hmm. Those are the only three that I remember. Oh, nice. Awesome. All right, ladies. So y'all know this part of the show. It gets a little fun. We have five questions that are totally unrelated. Um, and uh, they may be short, they may not. First question, would you ever be a cast member on a reality show? I'm such a ham, yes. 
Yes, I would. I would. I would. You have the personality for a reality show. She does. I would love to be on a reality show. Like, I really feel like if I wasn't having babies in college, I would have been on the real world or something. Yes. (laughs) I can see that. Cussing white people out. I can see it. Yes. Yes. Nicely cussing white people out. (laughs) Fashion booth talking about, you know, I'm really just trying to be nice, but like what they said was really out of line. And I don't know if I'm going to let it slide again. (laughs) Leslie Glennis, what about y'all? I cannot do it. No? I can't afford hair and makeup daily. Because, well, you you. true, and then you get a hair and makeup budget, and you have a team eventually. Yeah, Mm. no, no, still a no. Plus, I don't think my life is that exciting, quite honestly. Like, it took when I first met you, Sarita, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to go on Twitter or not because I don't have anything to say. So, I still think my Mm -hmm. life is pretty kind of boring. I would I would get cut off like uh, what's her name that was on the Real Housewives of Atlanta? <laughs> Which one? <laughs> the one who's um the husband who was cross-eyed and the football player. Oh my god, you talking about Sheree? Yes. <laughs> yes. Who said the husband who was cross-eyed? Goodness, <laughs> what about you? It depends on the topic and how much they're gonna pay me. Okay. That's fair. Because you can't have me out with no crazy girls. Then, then they're going to say something slick. Then I'm going to punch them. Then I'm going to jail over some. Glennis would be like, we're shutting this down. <laughs> shutting it down. I feel like you know me, Leslie. <laughs> shutting it down. And, and I'd be the one who's been like, you know what? Let's just calm down. You know what? Oh. <laughs> And I'm out. Nope. Let's Bye. just have a drink. Let's just have a drink. That's why wine related it just depends on they get too ratchet. Like, why are you not talking like that? I'll be talking to the TV now, man. Okay, next question. What about you, Sarita? Um, I would, but again, my answer is the same as Leslie. I think I would be the most boring reality <laughs> show star ever. I ain't got that much to say. I don't know. I don't, I'm not a woman of words. So maybe my faces would be funny, but I wouldn't be I, like, I would never have a peach. I would never be, you know, one of the major You'd be stars. like the friend, the friend. I'd be the, the friend. Yeah, uh-huh. I, I'd uh-huh. be a friend. Just cook. Yeah. You could cook. Yeah. Just cook. And we could out. <laughs> right. <laughs> no reality TV show with you cooking because you're going to need a taster. Right. <laughs> I'm going to need a Peloton over there in the corner because I got to get rid of this COVID-19 and eat your food too. <laughs> okay next question what wine have you been drinking the most in the past few months <laughs> none um Aww. i think the most that i've been drinking though is i have a friend i have a friend her name is janine and she makes this wine called j9 mm-hmm. and so um i was really trying to support her and you know since she was so accessible i bought some cases of wine and then for my birthday she bought me a case of wine what kind um, of wine she make she makes um right now she has a merlot and a chenin block that she makes nice. so she local a- where where is she based out of yeah she's based out of south africa okay oh, yeah. south african chenin blanc yeah, yeah. so i've been 
and then her Chenin Blanc. And I mean, but then I do have like other wines. So it's, I haven't been sticking to just one wine, which mm-hmm. is, I'm proud of myself for that because usually when you used to come to my house, it would all be Syrah, like a mm-hmm. Syrah from here, a Syrah from there. So I've been drinking a lot of different kinds of wines, not just one. But like since I'm in South Africa, a lot of Syrah, a lot of Pinotage. Pinotage is my favorite. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah, you don't hear people say that too often, but yes, I do like Pinotage. Oh lot. yes. Love, love, love. Okay. But it's been too hot to drink it over here. Yeah. What about you, Glennis? Um, so I've been drinking a lot of sparkling wine, so mainly a lot of Cremant and Cava, and that's why when, after we talked to you, Tawani, and we confirmed that you were going to be on here, I was like, oh, I know what sparkling I'm going to get, like, I'm going to see what they have for South Africa, and it was very little, and it was all Grand Beck, I wanted the Grand Beck Rosé, but they don't have, they didn't have any, they have Matter of fact, total wine and stop carrying it. Mm. Like, oh. Really? Yeah. Wow. So we gonna have to talk, talk to them about that. Talk and to them. Tell them. Tell them they need to restock. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. And then yeah. you know the pure Loire rosé. That's that's been my go-to rosé. So the, the two of those. Because it's so hot, I can't. It, I can't. It's very hot. Yeah. It's a, it's 104 degrees out. I, I was like, damn. Who Pissed off. Who hit the devil's wife? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell going on? COVID summer. COVID yeah. summer. Yeah. Yeah. The damn yeah. virus is too hot for it to survive on surfaces. Yeah. So that was like that was supposed to. That was you remember in the beginning they said, oh, you know, we just have to make it through the spring mm-hmm. because during the summer the heat will kill the virus and it'll be back to normal. Hmm. Look at Texas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because it's in the body now. We ain't let it get away, dummies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what you've been doing. Trips. Go ahead. <laughs> I have been um I have been ordering a lot on wine subscription clubs. Oh, look at you, big screen. And um so to the point where like I had to cancel some of them. And um, <laughs> I thought we were supposed to do the case of Stags. What are we doing? Yeah, oh yeah, we need to do, we need to do that. We need to do the case. Okay. Of <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. So um so I've been trying to do regions that I'm not familiar with mm. and do um like do Germany, um Portugal, places that you know not as popular. So um so my palate has been all over the map. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're gonna get you some more Savion block. You're gonna be okay. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I've honestly um my palate's been all over the place too because people are still trying to promote their wine. So I'm I've been getting samples. Um like recently I got this box of samples. You see the little bottles? Oh, that's all cute. It's That's very um, cute. Yeah, I got um eight. I got eight of them, and um, they're all from California. Um, they're all different. I'm drinking a Syrah today, but right. I think this is probably what I'm supposed to drink. Like it's basically like a little glass and a half. Glass and a half, right? Yeah. They need but to start right. selling that in general now. I think they need to start yeah, packaging them like that. 
Yeah, it's cute. Yeah. Is it a glass cork? Is that a it glass is cork? A, yeah, they all have I a glass cork. Love that. Yeah. Yes. Yep. I'm, I'm all for the glass corks. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, today I'm drinking Syrah. I got a Sauvignon Blanc, Cabernet, um, uh, a Chardonnay, of course. But yeah, it's a whole little box, and I'll try them all. But oh, I was getting ready to ask you: Is anything you don't like you want to share with the rest of us? You know, it's not too much I don't like. Um, I know. Right? Unfortunately, <laughs> I wish I didn't like something. <laughs> I and I tasted the wine that I didn't like the other day, and I was like, "Wow, this is a this is a different experience." Like. Yeah. I really, I really dislike this wine, yeah. and like, and I yeah. loved it because I'm like, I was starting to think there was something wrong with me whenever I taste the wine. I'm like, oh, this is good. Oh, this is good. <laughs> but when I came across the one I didn't like, I was like, okay, good. I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And oh, there's one wine I don't like, and that's Chambrosian. That's oh, the only Chamberson. one. Chamberson. Chamberson. Yeah. Chamberson. She's just like, I, I'm not even gonna say it. Nope. <laughs> It's I, I don't like it at all. Anyway, uh, Tanisha, hey girl, hey girl, hey. <laughs> hey, what have you been drinking? What champagne? Um, no, I've been drinking a lot of Bordeaux. Actually, oh. oddly enough, because you know that I don't usually roll with them, but they 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 were making me turn over a new leaf and um, try some new things. So yeah, I've been drinking Bordeaux. Is that Tanisha? Is that where you did the? Um, I saw your recent post on Twitter. Is that where you were when you went and you visited that uh, vineyard there? Yeah, you, I was know? there um, last week. So that mm-hmm. was like a culmination of, well, I made a bunch of tastes in there. But um, a lot of them had been asking to, oh, you should come down. You should do this. And now since I have um, time on my hands, I'm like, all right, let's go. Okay. So we went to Bordeaux, cool. saw some chateaus and um, – pretty amazing places and it was also hot it was like a mm. hundred a hundred hundred and one um, yeah. high night. same here mm-hmm. but wait, but it wait. Been, y'all it like open open hot. you like doing you doing you doing your normal stuff are we open it, it's like COVID never happened we out we doing things. wow wow do y'all have to wear masks y'all ain't gotta wear masks we on the train we in pools we at restaurants are, y'all wow. masks? are we what um yeah they just they had to change the rules um and like and start enforcing wearing masks inside because that wasn't enforced at first and people were really kind of light on wearing them outside the only real rule was we had to have them on public transportation or any kind of transportation so when i took the train that was hard having a mask on for like two and a half hours three hours that part was a little annoying but yeah, and now it says you have to wear it on any kind of transportation and if you're inside. So if you're inside at a mall, you're inside a store, um, anything like that, movie theater, whatever, you have to have your mask on. Wow. Hmm. Wow. See, that goes to show you that behavior modification mm-hmm. can change this. And you don't, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have a vaccine. Please continue to develop a vaccine. But... The vaccine is not right. Yeah, no Tuskegee. We have to be prepared for the next, the next, next thing that comes anyway. So like, yeah, it's just you know, this virus can run its course, but again, just like Leslie said, it's behavior modification, and folks 
because it's just getting retransmitted. Yeah. Well, and so now the actual COVID test itself. So say, for instance, you take a serology test, which is your blood, right? To see if there's antibodies that say, okay, you are COVID positive. But if you're not COVID positive, and so you get a negative one back, they still might have to do a the, the um, nasal pharynx one to test whether you had, so say, no, say you come back with antibodies, but you don't have any active symptoms. Mm, mm-hmm. They then still have to do the nasal swab to see if it's active now or if what your antibodies that are showing in the blood test were from something you mm-hmm. were exposed to and it is running its course in your system. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think I follow all of that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, okay, next question. What is the first thing you notice about someone? Oh, oh gosh, their smile or lack thereof. Mm. If they have all their teeth. That was mine. <laughs> that was <my> smile. <laughs> <laughs> It depends on the setting because if I'm not too close, I'm like, oh, your hair jacked up. Yeah. Or if I'm looking at a man, the first thing I look at his teeth and I look at his feet. The shoes you rocking, bro. Oh, okay. Yeah. What if he got on sandals? I'm still weird about that. Oh, he. Oh, you. Yeah, you don't like men in sandals. It it depends on what kind of sandals and where we are. But like, Depends on the setting. That's what I see. Oh, yep. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. Like, are That's we in? Yeah, I'm. I'm straight. Well, I mean, I'm also single, so you know. Oh my god. <laughs> but like, what about what about Crocs, Tanisha? I'm like a man. Of <laughs> Is Crocs. he a chef? Right. I was going to say, does he work in a kitchen <laughs> or that in a hospital? <laughs> or in a hospital? I know some doctors that wear Crocs. Yeah. But they, they wear them at work. They don't wear it out with with that go up. Go to happy hour outfit just to be like, hey, I'm chill. Mm. Hey, I'm in California, so a man in flip flops—that's sexy. Right I, I love that. I love it. Don't look like you. Oh, that's funny. Nope, not my thing. <laughs> um, for me, it is uh, hairline. Not that you have to have one. But just like, don't have like something in between. Either have one or don't have one. If it's like all the way back here, just cut it off. It's just not worth it. Or don't have that Shamar Moore one. Remember back in the day, he never had an edge up. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> that thing used to be all raggedy. It's like, sir, do you not have friends? Did you not grow up with, with black people? Like, will you no. just get that together? And then Alan has taught me how to um, recognize men with like, I don't want to say weaves, but it it, it is a, it is a weave. Yep. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or like the um the spray the on. Yeah. yeah. The Beijing. Uh, yep. Beijing. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's black sharpie. I was yeah. like, you call it in your damn hair. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Just wait till it rain. You'll know what's what. I was like, you better not start sweating. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie, did you answer? No, but it was it was definitely the missing teeth. 
that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's so that's so clutch. Man. Okay. Or oh, with the yellow kick batter on them. Oh, ooh, girl, gross. <laughs> um, okay. And it wasn't want to smile all the time. All the time. All in your face. Confident in your smile. Mm. Exactly. You're missing three teeth in the front. How are you smiling? <laughs> <laughs> okay, next question. So we can let Tawani get a bit. Okay. Um, what was the last thing you ordered from Amazon? Damn. I got so much shit in this house. <laughs> I just, I'm waiting, I'm waiting on it. I just ordered, um, oh, let me look, let me look. Uh, uh, what did, what did I, I just ordered makeup remover and a new curling iron. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. You get <laughs> Amazon since I left the state. So that's real. Mm-hmm. And the last thing that I ordered was because like here I try to use like local vendors and local things. Mm. Um, oh, I know what I ordered. I ordered a backpack before I left for my trip. That was okay. the last thing I ordered. I ordered spiral. So smaller soft spiral curlers, you know, the ones that you can do this with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no time soon. So I had to get some smaller ones because when my hair was long, I had the bigger ones. So that's what, mm. that was. It's arriving tomorrow at nine p.m. <laughs> um, what about you, Sarita? Me, the last thing I ordered. God, this is till my age. I ordered a fanny pack because oh. when I when I walk oh, my dog, no. I. No, it's not cute. It's not cute at all. I just look like a soccer mom. Girl, what but, do you have to hold that you need a fanny pack? Oh, when I walk my dog. <laughs> I nothing else will work. Like what? Like a crossbody purse won't work? Like, uh-uh. No, when I walk my dog, I pockets? want something. No, not in all my... Yoga pants don't have pockets. Not for your you keys. You only can wear yoga pants? Oh my gosh. Why are you... <laughs> I love pants. But let me tell you. Okay, so my new love is Fabuletics. Uh-huh. And they have no. the pockets mm-hmm. on the um they have they yes. have pockets and you can put your cell phone in and what have you. Mm-hmm. But you need you need to carry the little doggy bags for uh, the yeah. So the do- the doggy bag holder is on the leash, but I also have a set of keys that, that doesn't fit in yoga pants no matter what kind I have on. And like sometimes I carry like a defense stick. Because yep. sometimes they're like loose. Girl, I live in a city. It's shenanigans around here. So I have to, I got to be strapped with stuff. So <laughs> you think you'll be able to pull that out your fanny pack in time? Utility. I, if I hear a sound, I will. <laughs> you know your zipper finna be stuck. You try to pull that. <laughs> you just start running, girl. <laughs> try to pull a stick out of your fanny pack. First of all, I'm not finna be scared. I'm like, she has a fanny pack. What is she finna do? <laughs> you'd be surprised. My fanny pack is rather large. Oh, I'd be surprised. Just, just carry a purse. No, that's uh. When you walk, no, girl. No, no. I'm not paying you no mind, Tanisha. What's the next question? I mean, clearly, because you ordered a fanny pack. Amazon. <laughs> oh my goodness. Just wait. You ain't even answer the question, did you? Nope. Um, because I, I haven't ordered anything a while in a while because, like, I could go places now. But I think phone charger. Oh, was the okay. last thing? Charger mm-hmm. cords. Cause they were the only people delivering for real during um when we were like in the height of the pandemic, mm-hmm. and they were still delivering stuff like next day or in two days. And mm-hmm. that was yeah, okay. yeah, that is fun, y'all. All are right, <laughs> last question: How have you been spending your weekends? Drinking wine, 
Hanging out by the river. Down by the riverside. I've been in the house for the most part, except for this last weekend. I did go to um, lunch with my boo, mm-hmm. so we went to lunch. And oh, you got South African boo? Oh, y'all clearly don't follow her for uh, um, socials because she's. Well, I didn't specific. notice that. I do. He's popped into some photos. <laughs> well, well. But she popped that in at the end of the show. That's fine. Mm-hmm. They got another thirty minutes. I mean, I'm gonna go back to sleep, but they got another. 30 minutes. <laughs> No, but yeah, so dark. What? The point was we went to lunch. The lunch part was like the point. Oh, girl. But, you know, we forgot, forgot that about that lunch. Right? Oh, nobody remember the question. <laughs> 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 I won't hang on it. What about y'all, <laughs> Leslie and Glennis? It wasn't with a boo. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Oh, nothing. Uh, I have been working. Oh, mm-hmm. I have. We have been doing tours, so I've been working on the weekends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Yeah. Nice. You like a little hustle, a little yeah. post-pandemic hustle. Right. It may not last long, but for right yeah. now, that's all right, girl. Get that bag while you can. Yeah. Exactly. Do it while you can. Yeah. I think I've been on a hunt for Lysol products and stuff. Mm-hmm. Just. Yeah. Just I'll go to the supermarket in the house, hung out with my family down in Fredericksburg. Boring. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm glad we don't have Fredericksburg listeners. No, I, I, I do. Don't get me wrong. When I hang out with that part of the family, that's cool. It's just the fact that I cannot go nowhere. The yeah. passport ain't worth shit no more. Hell, blue yeah. passport. <laughs> I feel like I'm a third world country with a Gucci belt on. This is hard. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Let it out. Let it out. Right. Let it yes. out. Let it out. Yes. Let it out. Yeah. I mean, like little local. I'm supposed to go to Milwaukee to a friend's wedding this weekend. Her daughter's wedding, excuse me. Her daughter's wedding. I ain't going. Mm. No. Mm. <sighs> so that's uh, my life. Yeah. Serena, I have my um my shout out for uh my minority business. Oh, your black business shout out. Yes, I totally forgot. Yes. So I was running out of which I really don't have much um i don't i don't go anyplace but i was running out of makeup mm-hmm. and so i said you know what? i'm gonna support a black brand so i started buying minted oh Ooh, i love minted i love it i have mm-hmm. not bought anything that i don't like yeah i mean everything is wonderful i love the lip gloss i love the eyeshadow i love um what else uh the the foundation everything i'm just waiting for them to come up with the mascara but i love minted and i will not be buying from any place else yeah minted is good good makeup yeah. nice um me i just been in my yard um i'll grill i tr- i try to grill on weekends to like give myself something to do so mm-hmm. i try to grill on saturday or sunday and um I just sit outside like a little old lady, put my chair on my little uh, stoop. And, uh, <laughs> and scream at people when they drive too fast. Yes, exactly. 
exactly with my little bottle of wine and my dog like a you know like you old woman. <laughs> that's it <laughs> nothing exciting Tawani, thank you so much for being on the show. Yes, thank you. Uh, it was Thanks, so Tawani. Guys, perfect. Yes. Uh, last time, tell everybody where they can find you on social media. So you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Google. Just type in Zuri Wine Tasting, or you can type in Tawani Price. Um, yeah, Zuri Wine Tasting. Z U R I W I N E. Um, or 20 Price on any social media platform, including Google and my website, DuryWine.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Yes. You're welcome. It was so awesome to catch up with you guys. Thanks yeah. for listening to all my South African drama. Oh, it was so interesting. It was. Crazy. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Guys, have a good one. I'm going to go to sleep now. Thanks for joining the Swell Speed, guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode with Tawani Price. Don't forget to buy more South African wine. Follow her on social media. Follow all of us on social media. And don't forget to like and subscribe and tell a friend and share and comment on all of our episodes. We really appreciate it. Stay safe. Cheers.